This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Do you want a politically incorrect gateway to a real history education? Then go to mclanahanacademy.com. That's mclanahanacademy.com. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 163. Are you ready to think locally and act locally? Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to be back. Glad for you to be here. I'm glad to be here myself. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Brian McClanahan. If you want to follow me on Facebook, you can at Brian McClanahan. And you can subscribe to my YouTube page at Brian McClanahan. You want to go out and find all those things yourself, you can go to my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's Brian with an O. You can give me an email address. And I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. At the top of the page, you'll also find all my social media buttons. So you can find me there. Also, while you're at brianmcclanahan.com, you can uh, go to brianmcclanahan.com forward slash support, where you can throw a few pennies my way, help keep the lights on, help keep the podcast going, help the Brian McClanahan Show continue to survive and thrive. And also, don't forget my newest course offering for McClanahan Academy. The War for Southern Independence is the course that you wanted, according to a survey that a lot of you filled out. Uh, so you've got it now. 25 lectures, 12 hours of lecture material, 200 pages of lecture notes, a substantial bibliography. This is what you wanted, and so you got it. You can go to mclanahanacademy.com and purchase that course. It will rattle the cages of every righteous cause mythologist in America. It is designed to give you the counter-narrative about the war. So, going out to mclanahanacademy.com, you've got that class. Uh, and while you're there, you've also got a class on secession and one on Alexander Hamilton as well. So, pick those up too. And of course, you can get all your Brian McClanahan gear with my logo on it at redbubble.com. I've uh, got some cool stuff. You've got t-shirts, mugs, stickers, stationery, you name it. you got skins for your uh, electronic devices, all kinds of cool stuff with the Brian McClanahan logo. So go on out there and get that stuff too. And if you do get one of those things, send me a picture of it, and I'll put it on social media and uh, show you wearing the gear or holding it up, whatever it is. So I, I appreciate any support you can give me, and uh, uh, the logo is top-notch, so I do enjoy it, and I hope you enjoy it too. All right. All that said, let's talk about the uh, topic for the day which is Abraham Lincoln and Donald Trump. And uh, this actually comes from a headline. So let's start with a headline. It is. Headline. Dinesh D'Souza to compare Trump with Lincoln in upcoming film. Published on June 11th uh, at the Hollywood Reporters. This is um, a major media site that gets you in uh, touch with all the latest popular culture stuff, but Hollywood Reporter has this article about uh, this pro-Trump film with Lincoln compared to Trump. And the I'm going to read some of this because it's interesting. The, first of all, the, the, the title of the film is Death of a Nation. And the subtitle, Can We Save America a Second Time? And first of all, that's a play on the film 
uh, birth of a nation. <laughs> and uh, this is where D'Souza gets into all this hookiness with the Republicans are great and the Democrats are evil. And um, he's done so many films this way. Uh, but, uh, and I've already done a podcast, you know, are the Republicans different? Are they still the party of Lincoln? Are they not? Et cetera, et cetera. So you want to go back and find that. But I want to read some of this. Quote, in a move that could raise the suspicions of his detractors, recently pardoned Dinesh D'Souza tells The Hollywood Reporter that his next movie will liken Donald Trump to Abraham Lincoln, including a poster that morphs an image of the two U.S. presidents. The poster, unveiled here for the first time, features a U.S. flag, images of slavery, the Civil War, modern-day university riots, Lincoln's and Trump's face combined as one, and the upcoming film's title, Death of a Nation. So let's talk about that film, the optics, first of all, because they say that uh, at the top of this, D'Souza acknowledges that the optics of a, pro- of a pro-Trump documentary will be deemed suspicious in some circles, given the president pardoned him May 31st for a violating campaign finance law. So let's talk about optics in this film. The idea, number one, is that somehow Lincoln saved America. I mean, that alone is part of the problem. And then you have the image of the White House, slavery, and how uh, you got these student riots and all these. You got, you got images of the war in the background. And uh, you know, this is um, uh, Trump coming in to save the day, riding on, riding on a white horse to, to rescue America, just as Lincoln did in 1861. This is so problematic. Uh, and in fact, if you've... It's one of the reasons, again, why I did the course on the war, because the the image here, the optics here, are that somehow Lincoln did save America. But nothing can be further from the truth. Lincoln didn't save America. He recreated America. But the problem is we have this tremendous level of Lincoln worship in America, and D'Souza is one of the worst when it comes to this. You see, the establishment conservatives, the neoconservatives, the establishment conservatives, uh, those who are in power in D.C. and even out of power. You know, D'Souza is not a politician, but he certainly runs in a particular crowd, and that particular crowd is the establishment crowd. Now, there are a lot of establishment people that don't like Trump, don't get me wrong, and so Trump is kind of anti-establishment, so you can see, well, D'Souza is actually being anti-establishment, but he's not. They agree on some fundamental things. Number one, the establishment's Republicans and the neocons, which essentially D'Souza is, firmly believe that America before Lincoln was a bad place. Uh, There was nothing really good about America before Lincoln, and Lincoln saved America from itself. Uh, And I, I, I cite this book by Forrest Neighbors again, this idea that somehow, and this is what he told me, somehow the Republicans were saving the South from itself. They saved the South from itself. And so by defeating the South and by winning the war, America was saved. Real America. But what Lincoln acknowledged, or at least what the radical Republicans wanted to do and uh, became very clear during the war, is that they weren't trying to save America. They were trying to recreate America, and that's what they did. So what these people like D'Souza and others in the establishment can't put together, it's like they can't connect the dots, is that the student riots, the picture here, are the direct result of Abraham Lincoln 
and this new America, and not the antithesis of it. The student riders are not in line with, say, the Democrats of 1860. The student riders are not conservatives, which the Democrats in 1860 were conservatives. Lincoln, by quote-unquote saving America, unleashed the process by which these student rioters are going to get uh, going here in 2017, 16, 18, take your pick, in the 21st century. They created the climate, the narrative of quote-unquote social justice. Whatever the case may be, I mean, look, the left is born, the modern left in so many ways is born out of Lincoln's America. So by saying that Trump is somehow combating this, and he's being Lincoln, is to miss the entire problem of Lincoln. Lincoln is a transformational figure. There's no doubt about it. But this whole idea of what would Lincoln do, this is, this is really at the heart of what the problem is with America today. By somehow saying that Lincoln would do something better to save America is perpetuating a myth, a righteous cause mythology, and a Lincoln myth, a nationalist myth, that really did destroy the very fabric of what made America great in the antebellum period, and that was Jeffersonian decentralization. Something that everyone was committed to, at least to a certain extent, uh, in, in both the North and the South, all the way up till 1861. That died in 1861. It died a very horrible death in 1861, and so the problem is you have a centralized, top-down system that's creating a climate that makes people angry. And it makes people angry because you have uh, unrest based on the fact that people can't control the reins of power in D.C. But that's really not where you, as, as I've talked about in this podcast, ad nauseum, it's not where you have the most power anyways, and it's not where real government takes place. So this image of Lincoln and Trump is just another example of a major distortion of American history. And unfortunately, Trump buys it too. Uh, when I was just on uh, with Tom Woods the other day in a members-only chat uh, with um, LearnTrueHistory.com, um, somebody asked, you know, do you think Trump would allow California to secede? Absolutely not. He wouldn't allow California to secede. I don't, I don't see it happening. Now, I will say this. I will give Trump credit for one thing, um, and that is that he was originally, when you look at decriminalization and, and federal policy when it comes to drug laws and things like that, and uh, Trump was steadfast against any type of decriminalization or state action on those issues, but he's reversed course and said, no, I think that's the right thing to do. He's right because he's actually pursuing a federalism, a, a real position of federalism, which is great. Now, the other issue here is, of course, we all look at these student rioters, these snowflakes, these crybabies, and think, well, this is, I mean, this is awful. So we want somebody to go in and do something about it. We want somebody to stand up to these troublemakers, to these uh, rioters. We want it. But the top-down approach, the Lincolnian approach, shouldn't be something we're advocating. So let's ask this question. What would Lincoln do? I mean, did Lincoln really save America? When you look at the list of the things that Lincoln did, and of course I get into all this 
in my War for Southern Independence course. When you look at the list um, of Lincoln before the firing on Fort Sumter in April of 1861, this is just what happened before the firing on Fort Sumter in 1861. Not during the war, not the destruction of the Constitution, the shredding of it during the war, but what he did before the war in 1861. First, Lincoln privately wrote Republican senators, urging them to reject all compromise measures, including the famous Crittenden Compromise of 1860. No compromise. Now, which is interesting because uh, you know, Davis wanted, a, Jefferson Davis, who was head of the Committee of 13, which was sifting through all these different and sorting through all these different compromise measures, he was willing to compromise. Southerners were willing to compromise. The Republicans were not. Now, Seward, on that committee, actually proposed what would later become the Corwin Amendment, which would have allowed for slavery to be permanent in the South, that the United States could not uh, do anything to affect slavery in the South, which was the federal position anyways. I mean, they're just stating the obvious there. But in return, the territories would be free soil. Uh, the South wouldn't have anything of it because they already felt like slavery was protected in the southern states. I mean, that's not, that's not anything. The issue was always over power, and, and the manifestation of that was always the western territories. It's, how, it's what it came down to from the beginning. So Lincoln is telling Republicans, don't compromise. Why? Because he can save his party or he can save the Union. He understands that compromise is not going to save the Republican Party. He can save his party, or he can save Union. Lincoln then publicly insisted that compromise was not an option in several speeches before the inauguration. He's out there saying, I'm not, we're not going to compromise. Publicly, this is the president-elect of the United States, running around saying, we're not going to compromise at all. We're not going to do it. Okay? I mean, we can look back at this and say, well, that's awful. We weren't going to compromise. I mean, why would you compromise on slavery? Well, you have to put yourself in the, in the 1860s. Uh, and most Americans, North and South, were unwilling to do anything with the institution. It, it wasn't just uh, you know, Southerners. It was majority of Americans. Remember, Lincoln didn't even get 40% of the popular vote. But yet here he is running around saying it like he is some type of mandate. Uh, we're not going to compromise on anything. This is why Crittenden, when he proposed the Crittenden Compromise, said, let's put it to a referendum. Let's put it before the people. And the Crittenden Compromise would have extended the Missouri Compromise line to California and organized the area under that, under popular sovereignty, and above it uh, would have been, or at least, there, I'm sorry, slavery would have been allowed below that line and above it uh, not above, uh, not uh, allowed. Um and uh, that was the idea. And, of course, it would have uh, would have made it to where the federal government could not interfere with slavery in the states that already existed. This was a very popular proposal. But Lincoln said, do not support it. So before he even gets into office, he's running around saying, yeah, I mean, you all should, should no, no compromise. We're not going to compromise on this. This is coming from the president-elect. This is, if you're looking to avoid war, which is highly possible, or secession, if that's not what you want, then why, would, then why wouldn't you compromise at that point? Lincoln refused to meet with commissioners from several southern states who were sent to Washington in an effort to settle issues related to federal property and debt. So Lincoln's not even meeting with these people because he says they're not really commissioners. They're illegal anyways. Lincoln ignored the Washington, D.C. Peace Conference of January 1861. 
convened by some of the most respected men in the United States for the express purpose of avoiding war. He said, we're not going to deal with that. It's just going to be a failure. Don't do any of this. Don't try to have peace. Remember, this is all before the war. This is not, you know, two years into the war. This is all before the war had even started. Lincoln, at this point, could have saved the Union. So when Sousa says, uh, "We're going to Lincoln can Lincoln save America," he could have saved America here. We didn't have to have the war. We didn't have to lose a million people. Trump had the audacity at one point to say, "Was the war even necessary?" And I, I've written about this for Lou Rockwell, but. Uh, you know, this was preposterous to people on the left, and not just that, for people like D'Souza. You see, because the neoconservatives are the collaborators. They just want, they love big government, and they just want the people on the left to like them. And I'm not saying D'Souza does. I mean, D'Souza is uh, vilified, so, but he spends a lot of time with their talking points and advancing somehow that Lincoln is a conservative and he's one of us. He's not. Uh, Lincoln ignored, I'm sorry, uh, Lincoln's first inaugural address was combative and defiant and placed the burden of compromise on the South, a section which had already left the Union and not the North, a section which, which had relentlessly agitated the bonds of Union over the previous 80 years. The burden had to be on the South to compromise. What about the North? Why no compromise there? Why is it only the South that had to compromise? This is, it's almost delusional. And if anybody had done this, uh, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, you're in, a, you're in a situation where a, a relationship is breaking up or something, and you're the, and, and, and the person leaves, and you say, you know what, if you want to stay together, you got to compromise, and I'm just going to keep doing what I want to do. The person's already left. The South had already gone. Well, you know what, if you want to come back to you, you're going to have to compromise on this. We're not compromising. What does that say? That means that you're going to get combative at some point. Lincoln was going to get combative. He said as much in his first inaugural address. He's going to enforce the laws. We're going to enforce this union. So you can try to leave all you want, but I'm going to come down there and beat you up and take you back. And if if you want back in this union, you're going to have to compromise. Well, I mean, <laughs> does that even make sense? This is what Lincoln was doing. So hopefully, uh, you know, we don't have a Trump that does these kind of things. Uh, Lincoln began polling his cabinet the week after taking office about provisioning Fort Sumter. All except his postmaster general were against the move. All except his postmaster general. Lincoln supported sending a fleet knowing that that it would lead to war. As he later said, uh, the action had the desired effect. The South fired the first shot and Lincoln could call for troops by insisting that the South started the war. Is that a man interested in peace? Is that a man who's intent on saving America? His highest-ranking general officer, Lieutenant General Winfield Scott, the only man besides George Washington at that point in American history to ever be ranked Lieutenant General, argued against any action that might incite violence. He was quickly dispatched from any advisory councils and later made irrelevant by the Lincoln administration. This is the guy that's saying, you know what? We should just let the South go in peace. At one point, he said this. We should use the Anaconda Plan. And then, if that doesn't work, just let the South go. As wayward sisters, go in peace. Go in peace. This is what Scott was saying. He was marginalized and booted out of any advisory position. 
Is that from a man who wants peace? Is that coming from a man who wants to uh, save America? It's not. But yet, this is the impression we get of Abraham Lincoln, because he sits in Washington, D.C., in the American Parthenon, like Athena, the city god of Athens. You have Lincoln, the city god of Washington. And so we have a man that's universally recognized as a great American president, left and right. It doesn't matter if you're on the left or right. You look at the presidential rankings. Lincoln's always at the top. The left and the right rank him highly. This is crazy to me. It doesn't make any sense. All the things leading up to the war. If I mean, look, if what we really want is to avoid war, but the problem is you interject a social issue, which was not even there in 1861. Lincoln talked nothing about it. He said, look, if I could save the Union by freeing all the slaves, I would. If I could save the Union by freeing no slaves, I would. If I could save the Union by freeing one slave, I would. His objective was always union. Because his objective was always union, he was singularly committed to bringing the South back into the fold by any means necessary, meaning by force if necessary. And again, this does not even include the stuff that Lincoln did as president of the United States where you were shredding the Constitution, whether it's suspending habeas corpus unilaterally, having people thrown in jail, engaging in a war without a declaration of war. First time that it happened in uh, American history. We've had previous wars before this, the Mexican War, the War of 1812. You had a declaration of war. Didn't have one. Lincoln would say that's because the states were in rebellion. Were they? Were they in rebellion? I don't think so. This is one of the greatest con jobs in American history. And by having someone like DeSuso, who's a very good filmmaker, I mean, he's... Uh, Passionate, has an excellent excellent eye, a filmmaker's eye. But the problem is, his his these these people are conspirators. They're collaborators. They're collaborators with the other side that wants these riots, and by saying we're going to have national government to put these things down, you're going to create a climate that's going to make more riots. So, what we need to do is is re-examine Lincoln. I mean, you know, we've had Lorenzo's book, The Real Lincoln, and Lincoln Unmasked. Um, of course, I wrote about Lincoln in my Nine Presidents Who Screwed Up America, and it's the one chapter that people wanted to focus on all the time. Everybody wanted to talk about Lincoln. Lincoln, what do you think about Lincoln? Uh, how can you say this about Lincoln? How can you say Lincoln screwed up America? Why can I say that? Because he did. Lincoln screwed up how people think about the executive branch, the powers of the executive branch, and what it can do. Now, certainly, he was better than Woodrow Wilson or Franklin Roosevelt, who went way beyond Lincoln. But Lincoln and the Republicans of the 1860s are establishing the framework by which someone like Woodrow Wilson or Warren Harding can operate. They're establishing the blueprint for those men to be guided by when they're, when they're creating the powerful central authority that is now the American king. So, Lincoln didn't save America. Lincoln ruined America. And when we start getting that through our minds, things will change. What we'll do is we'll break apart the idea of the nationalist myth. Just kind of an aside on this, because I have a couple of minutes here. George Will was invited to the Constitution Center to talk about the Constitution, and it was about the 17th Amendment. 
And they asked, uh, Mr. Will, uh, would you like to repeal the 17th Amendment? Well, I hear what I hear today. Yes, I would. But that's not really the problem. The real problem with the changed America, and I'm waiting for it. What's he going to say? What's the real issue that changed America? The real uh, issue that changed America was the 16th Amendment. I mean, it's like these people can't start history until after the war. They can't do it. Because by doing it, they might have to recognize that their entire nationalist position is just absolutely wrong compared to what the founding generation thought. The climates are diverse. The people are diverse. Occupations and other things are different. So when you, when you try to put incompatible things together, you get a big mess. And uh, this is what the problem is with top-down government. This is how Lincoln ruined America, by creating a nationalist myth uh, and, of course, he perpetuated that with um, the uh, Gettysburg Address. And George Will saying it starts at the 16th. They, they just can't get it. They just can't get it. That's Lincoln, actually, where it started. That Lincoln was the turning point. That the Republican Party of the uh, 1860s was the turning point in America. And that, that nobody should be celebrating this on the right. No one should celebrate the Republican Party on the right. They shouldn't do it. They should look at the Republican Party for what it is and not blast the Democrat Party for being things that they find reprehensible in 21st century America. Of course we do. This is this is a given. We don't have to sit here and say, well, you know what? I have to qualify this, that I'm not saying that uh, I believe in slavery. What person believes in slavery in 2018? What person believes in uh, in segregation in 2018? Nobody does. So uh, this these are bad arguments. But nevertheless... It seems that what, what D'Souza and others try to do is always peg that on the Democrat Party because they can't get out of their way and they can't go beyond R&D. They can't go beyond R&D. So I would skip this movie. Uh, I don't think I'll watch it. There are some other D'Souza documentaries that, uh, you know, Hillary, Hillary's America, I think, is one. And then there's, uh, you know, he goes out and he talks about how the Republican Party has always been the party. There's no racist in the Republican Party, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe easy to show there are, but uh, this is De, this is D'Souza's position, and I'm sure this film is going to follow the exact same format. I'll see you next time on the Brian McClanahan Show. Mm-hmm.